Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, a big US franchise sets sail for Sydney. Channel 7 wants the tennis back and correcting the record on a TV Black Box blooper. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of TV Black Box in the chair tonight. Mulk is back. Hello, Mulk. Hello, Rob. Welcome to the Sausage Factory. <laughs> Aaron Ryan, he's our man over in the West. Hello, Aaron. Yes, hello, gorgeous people. Yes, I'm here from Studio NCIS Perth. <laughs> More on that in a moment. And Philip Kosh, he's come back. That means we weren't too bad. We were on our best behaviour. But what will happen with Mulk here? Hello, Phil. Uh, hi, Rob. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you came back. You've come <laughs> back for another one. Oh, you know, scarred, beaten, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we look forward to having your contribution tonight. Let's get into it. And after a record-breaking ratings for nine, Seven is looking to take back the Australian Open, having broadcast the Grand Slam from 1973 to 2018. The formal rights of the negotiation process is expected later this year, and Seven West Media Chief Executive James Warburton has confirmed that Seven will be pursuing. Warburton also stated that fundamental changes need to be made to the Big Bash League, saying that Cricket Australia haven't delivered on their contract and ultimately that Seven could not run the tennis and the cricket at the same time. Uh, Mug, this is a no-brainer. The cricket is not as strong as the tennis. You know, Seven were the ones that introduced the whole slogan after the tennis. It's been such a great launching pad for them. Of course they want the tennis back. And naturally, they would want to go hunting for the tennis after such a phenomenal Australian Open tournament, thanks in no small part to Special K's and particularly Ash Barty, yeah. right through to the finals, right? A massive win for her, huge rating results, which means that you're going to garner the attention of every executive that wants to make uh, some money out of the event. I, I think that Seven are in a tough position with this. They are doing okay cash-wise. Their, their half-year um, results have come out. They're predicting that they'll be pretty cash-happy, though they still carry a sizable debt. Uh, I, I think the problem for Seven is because they are not the current rights holders, um, when it comes to the tennis, the best they can offer is basically to try and outprice Nine. And Nine are not keen to pick up the cricket again. They're very happy with their tennis deal. So I think they would go to the wall to find yeah. the money uh, to hold on to it. 
I have other views on the cricket, not least of which is that it was the Big Bash was running fine before Seven got it. So I don't know what they well, did. Well, there's a whole issue with that, and and I think the sharing with Foxtel has got to be a big um, uh, chain around their neck. Basically, when Ten had the Big Bash, they revitalised it. It really got Big Bash League on the map here. But they you were talk also about sharing it with Foxtel, though. So it's not a change in that regard. It's a change in the way Seven are presenting but it. But from memory, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Ten did have exclusive matches as well, didn't they? In the playoff, there were less matches. Seven pushed for more, and there were less matches. Um, and Ten did have exclusive... At, at the same time, they were playing, I think, just about every match. So the deal with Foxtel wasn't that on Saturday nights, Foxtel have it and we won't yes. have it. Every match was on air. And that, in part is why it's not raining for seven. Because they just yep. said to the audience, if you want to follow your team, you'll have to get Foxtel. Why are they going to tune back into seven if they've now got Foxtel where they can see every game? When it's an easy destination, I always yeah. go here to watch that. Yes. Um, what was interesting, Aaron, is seven are very bullish at the moment and with good reason. You know, Warburton has had a three-year plan. He's been implementing that plan. The cash flow is much better. You know, he did some really tough things, selling off seven studios while you while content is king and you'd much rather own the content. He did what he had to do to make seven viable and he's really getting it into a very good position, I think. Yeah, just before the Prime deal, the debt was going to be 116 million. So uh, that the debt was, you know, right down. Obviously, it's gone back up with the Prime deal. I thought it was interesting that Warburton saying no to the tennis and cricket at the same time, and that's not interesting in itself. But I was wondering if there was going to be any crossover, but there won't be. Nine finished the tennis. Uh, in 23-24 season and Seven finished the cricket in the summer of 23-24. So both uh, have two more seasons left. So 2024-2025, both are up for grabs. So we could be seeing things going all over the place. Tennis on Seven, maybe, for example, Big Bash to, to Ten, but then Nine may want to take back the, the, the Test cricket because I know they're interested in that. Um, and maybe the one the one dayers, but um, yeah, we we could be seeing a, a quite a different landscape in a couple of years. Yeah, and, and Philip, as a viewer, do you care which network it's on as long as it's there? Oh, I, I struggle with the cricket going to seven, to be honest, because we're so used to the Channel Nine yeah. legendary cricket callers. But that said, I'm not a big uh, cricket fan. I'm a huge tennis fan, and um, you know, well. It's obvious that tennis has done great things for Channel 9. But tennis is different to cricket because, you know, you've really got to study the up-and-comers. And, you know, yes, Ash Barty probably has four or more years left in her career, which is a ratings bonanza. But, you know, you've you very much got to understand tennis and understand who's coming up through the ranks because mm. you do need Australians to be winning. Uh, you don't need them to be winning all the time. As you know, the international superstars hold tennis. Um but, yeah, it's a very interesting proposition in 2024 at the end of it. Very good point. Well, in its first international series of the franchise, NCIS is coming down under with NCIS Sydney. The new edition of the popular crime show will launch on Paramount Plus and Network 10 in 2023 with a local production team and cast. Now, that news dropped on the same day it was announced The Challenge is coming to Australia. This is a popular reality TV series that has just aired its 37th season in the US and now some of Australia's biggest and best reality contestants will get in on the action. But there's two things happening. There will be a local version of The Challenge for Channel 10 
made locally with a local cast and crew. And then we will have the series titled The Challenge War of the Worlds. This is for Paramount+. Plus. This will see four countries produce their own local version with the winners from each local version then competing against each other in the final known as part two. Philip, let's start with NCIS. Do you think Sydney as a backdrop will hold up to the likes of Los Angeles and Hawaii? Well, Sydney as a backdrop is one of the best characters you could ever cast. We all know that. Remember when Jag Uh, came down? Well, Jag, but, like, even if you think back to Water Rats, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that show wouldn't have worked without Sydney Harbour. Well, this is Water Rats 2.0, isn't it? Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe. Look, I'm not the big... I love a cop show, but I'm not the biggest fan of NCIS. Uh, but that said, I'm not a fan because it, it does everything the advertisers like. It appeals to women, it appeals to kids, it's family viewing. It's also one of the most enduring um, and successful crime shows on television. So, look, I, I, I don't know how you turn the Naval Criminal Investigative Services into an Aussie version, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to checking it out. Well, it's it's a co-deal with the Americans are coming over to work with Australians and they're under the NCIS banner. Come on, work with it. Uh... <laughs> well, I just do wonder whether it, is it going to be NCIS or is it going to be an Australian investigation of Australian Navy type of issues? I don't, I don't know. If it's NCIS, then aren't you restricted to you know, drunken American sailors on shore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we hey, go. Plenty of plenty of fodder in that. Plenty of killings and, and deaths to investigate there. Yeah, it could be could be a merger of underbelly and NCIS. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about um NCIS Sydney actually. Last week on the podcast we were talking about the same shows being produced, almost like we have to stick to the same formula for Australian shows. This is getting yeah. the biggest franchise in the world and giving it an Australian flavour. Uh, to then be seen all over the world. So this is really different. I think it's awesome. I think when choosing actors for the series, I think we we need at least one. You know, one of them needs to be someone that's also a huge fan of NCIS. They can't get enough of it, understands NCIS universe, and is very passionate about the brand. Do we know anyone like that at all, Rob? Yeah, of all the nights, Sarah Monaghan isn't here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something, though. I, I reckon Channel 10 are going to really miss a trick if they don't employ me for an episode to be a murder victim. They could live out their fantasy and just have me dead on the floor. <laughs> the body Malk, never be um, found, Rob. <laughs> uh, Malk, I, I think what will be interesting, big US money will help that series, but um, interesting that the challenge, and, and look, we know 10 are looking to replace the likes of The Bachelor, yeah. so... The Bachelor's pretty much dead. Let, let's be honest, it won't be back in 2023. This is the buzz throughout the industry. So it makes sense, Tina, looking elsewhere, and Paramount are thinking globally. This is really smart. What's really positive for, for mine in it, Rob, is the in the announcement there was a bunch of new programming that Paramount announced. Sure, mm. a bunch of it is appearing on Paramount+. Plus. And sorry, I say Paramount because that's now the name of the company. I'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, I, I, I am. It's really positive that there will be content made in Australia and not just shown in Australia, but of course shown overseas. Whether mm. it is reality content, drama, please, like more Australian drama, please. Uh, that that they are investing and having a go, 
is a great sign that they're, they're willing to, to leverage the fact that we have some of the best crews in the world working here. We have some great writers. Yeah. We have some incredible producers. Who and we have some work. bloody good actors, right? Like, mm. so it, it, for me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a no-brainer as to how we cast it. I think what we will see, of course, is at least one or two Americans parachuted in to, to anchor, yeah. pardon me, the show. Um, it, the, the question will be whether we get the, the guest visits from uh, those that are, are hold front on the other NCIS franchises in the US mm, as guests. Good, good question, and I would imagine the answer is yes. And, and look, we've just spoken about it, but the parent company of Channel 10, Viacom CBS, has announced it will rebrand as Paramount from February 16. The company says the change is an effort to adopt an iconic global name to reflect the conglomerate's increasingly worldwide focus. Viacom CBS Chair Sherry Redstone and President CEO Bob Backish have disclosed that Paramount Plus has upgraded its financial guidance for Wall Street, projecting that the company will reach 100 million streaming households worldwide by 2024. That compares to guidance last year from Viacom CBS that it was aiming for 65 million to 75 million by 2024. I'll tell you why I find this interesting, Aaron, is because I was worried about the streaming service Paramount Plus. I had heard on KCRW's The Business, there was um, some discussion about whether it would end up folding. Are there too many streaming services? This was specifically about the US. And is Paramount Plus really penetrating the market? So it's interesting that amongst all that talk, I thought, oh, here we go. 10's big local hope, Paramount Plus, isn't going to work and it's going to be folded and they'll sell off the content uh, and become a distributor because there's obviously money in content. Well, this would seem that Paramount Plus is doing great business if they're getting those kind of streaming numbers. What it will come down to is subscribers, of course. Yeah, Rob, I absolutely agree with you about what, what Paramount Plus was. It You know, it's always been a fourth cousin of um of all the rest of the streamers i'm personally not interested in paramount plus at all mm. but when in america um and i'm sure here they're going to pull showtime content um so they, they had showtime as a particular bundle and paramount it'll all be part of one now they'll have south park beavis and butthead the challenge that we talked about seal team teen wolf jerdy shaw rupaul uh, Ru teenage mutant ninja turtles transformers there's actually quite a few titles and and particularly with the um showtime stuff very, very interesting, and I would definitely consider, um, you know, subscribing to Paramount Plus now. Interesting. I agree, Aaron, that from the launch in Australia, the Paramount Plus library was lacking. It yeah. was almost wafer thin. Uh, and and it to Paramount's credit, it has grown even in the last eight months. I think that we've had the, the, the service and it's getting better. And one of the key announcements for mine today was that uh, they said that from 2024, they're not doing deals. All Paramount content is going to Paramount Plus. So yeah. instantly they're about library building. They're about wanting to make that bigger for their subscribers and, of course, more attractive in that regard. The challenge that we face as Antipodeans is, of course, that we have a cut-down version of the American library, like Netflix, like other places. And until... A lot of those contracts play out. We're going to get the second or third hand version of the library, though with Paramount saying they're going to invest and intentionally put content onto the platform as first run or as second run after it's aired in cinemas or aired on US channels. That's really good for us. That's a really important move. 
Uh, Philip, do you have Paramount Plus? I don't. No, I thought about it a few times. Uh, but I'm a little bit like the other guys. I just don't see enough to validate having another, I don't even know what it costs, six bucks, eight bucks out of my bank account every month. Um, and I could be wrong on that price. Uh, look, I really wanted to see the Yellowstone precursor, but even that wasn't enough to tempt me. Though that said, I did try and get onto it one night and I just found the the whole mechanics of it a little bit complicated and thought, if you're going to make it hard, I can't be bothered. Interesting. I had a rant, Philip, when they first launched, because I have Paramount Plus, that in 2021, as it was, you can't deliver a substandard interface for your no. streaming service. And it's shit. Like... I, I watch it on my 4K TV. I watch it on my Samsung smaller smart TV. I've got Apple TV. I've got, um, you know, I watch it on my, my laptop and my iPad. In every instance, the user interface is appalling. In yeah. fact, for the first, I'm going to say three or four months, if you stopped an episode halfway through, it just didn't remember that you were halfway through it. So oh, when you went back to it, you restarted worst. the episode. Uh. Oh my God, did it cause me frustration. <laughs> um, it is getting better. However, it, that's like the basics, right? You need to get those things right at launch. So, Well, that's the thing. Otherwise, people don't come back, Mark. It's like the library. It's the interface. If people take a look and do those seven-day trials or month, first-month trials, whatever, yep. and they don't like what they're seeing, yep. they ain't coming back. And, and it will take them a long time to revisit it. You know, whereas in yeah. some cases you might go, I'll try it. Oh, but hang on. I've just heard that service has new buzzy show that everyone's talking about. What's the latest buzzy show on Paramount Plus? No. And I, I think it's so important to easily navigate a, a streaming service. And yeah. even Foxtel, I think, is quite clumsy to navigate. And I don't know why they don't reconfigure that. And, and talking about interfaces, I just have to throw this in. So I was on Amazon Prime Video the other day, and I did see something. I went, oh, it's uh, Discovery, Star Trek Discovery. And I went, oh, I did watch season one, but I never went back to it. I'll click it on. And, of course, what was it? It was in their featured section. I click it on. Oh, use your Paramount Plus login. <laughs> no, Amazon Prime. I'm not a member of Paramount Plus. I come to Amazon Prime <laughs> video to watch Amazon Prime content. If I want Paramount Plus... I am quite capable of logging on to Paramount Plus. This whole integration of the services, I'm not up for it. I don't care. And if I'm not a member of Paramount Plus, don't serve it up to me because all it makes me think is, why haven't you got an Amazon Prime video? Do I need to rethink my membership to you? Well, eh? ironically, they did have it, but Paramount bought it back from them. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> That's part, why I thought it was there. It's part of the trauma of it. Look, it's really interesting, and it's interesting that you raise... Peacock, Aaron, because just to come full circle in our conversation with Seven, that's the thing that they miss. They don't have a streaming platform service partner thing that they're connected into here in Australia. And mm. Nine are, look, they're making bank now with Stan. They're working hard to make it be a thing. They will struggle with some of their contracts expiring with Showtime uh, and, you know, not being able to pick up new things. Uh, but they're, they're doing the biz. You know, Ten have got Paramount+. Plus. Um, uh, that leaves seven with nothing. And that's a real concern in a like a paywall subscription service scenario. Heaps of stuff on seven plus, sure. But same with nine now and same with 10 play. Um, who do they land with? Who do they sign the deal with? A lot of the Peacock stuff already is rolling out on stand. So again, let's hypothetically say that seven sign with Peacock and launch that here. 
we're going to get another cut down library or a half half baked library because deals are done and we have to let them play out yeah and last one out of the gate does not stand a good chance well lee sales has announced that after nearly 12 years in the role she will be stepping down as presenter of abc 730 here's some of what she had to say before we go tonight, I wanted you to hear some news from me personally, and it's that I've asked my ABC bosses to allow me to step down from anchoring 7.30 later this year, once the federal election's over. I was appointed to the job on the 3rd of December 2010, so this is my 12th year in the seat. That was five Prime Ministers ago. It was so long ago that Donald Trump was just a guy with a bad orange hairdo hosting The Apprentice. There's nothing wrong other than I just feel a strong sense of it being time to pass the baton to the next runner in the race and to take a break. And the end of an election cycle feels like a good time to move on to something new at the ABC. I've got to say, Philip, I will be sad to see her go. I think she's done an incredible job. She's a brilliant presenter. I've got a lot of time for Lee Sales. Uh, she's copped a lot of outrageous abuse on Twitter and social media over the years. Um, who do you think should replace her? Oh, look, hand on my heart, I don't know who I think should replace her. The Australian was speculating this week that it would be um, Sarah Ferguson. Yeah, um, that was interesting. Mm, uh, apparently um, David Spears and Laura Tingle have already been ruled out, but I wouldn't Oh. I wouldn't have thought you'd Who rule ruled that, David Laura? Spears out? Because I, I did get word that Laura Tingle was ruled out, but not Spearsy. Where was that written? Oh, in the same place I read the other article. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, because obviously, as you said, the Australian talked about uh, Sarah Ferguson. I just, to be honest, I wasn't across David Spears being written, written off because he would actually be quite good. But um, it's interesting. Could the ABC go back to having a man do it? Uh, would that become a diversity issue? Uh, you know, it, it's it. Well, uh, Mulk, I know you got your face screwed up, but I, I had this thought the other day. Well, what if they did put David Spears in? Would there be an outcry that um, a woman is being replaced with a man? And I do think that would be part of the discussion. It, well, if, if hypothetically David Spears was to take on the role, could he manage 7.34 nights a week and do Insiders, or is that an opportunity for someone else to host Insiders? Could that be uh, a woman? Could that be Sarah Ferguson? Could that be Laura Tingle? I'm actually really surprised that, that Tingle's been ruled out already because she did a stellar job over summer. Laura may have ruled herself out, and that's totally A-OK. -okay. I would have thought she was front-runner. Um, though Sarah Ferguson, phenomenal. David Spears, they I, really are. I think are. it's hard to beat Sarah Ferguson. They're in a they're in a position where they have an embarrassment of riches, and mm. they get to keep Lee Sales. Like she's not yes. leaving the ABC. So I, I think that, um, mate, this coming election is going to be amazing for so many horrible reasons. <laughs> uh, Stop salivating! Stop salivating, Mom. And the, co and the coverage <laughs> of it is going to be incredible. Um, the, the stalwart work that Lee Sales has done over nearly 12 years on 7.30 is both going to be amazing and sorely missed um, when she leaves. However, a great opportunity for somebody new to step into that role, whoever that is. Mm. 
Well, the ABC has once again defended its plans to introduce compulsory logons on iView after first receiving concerns last year that personal data could be shared with third-party platforms. They have released a new draft privacy impact assessment detailing efforts to protect privacy, including allowing users to use a pseudonym or nickname and to select prefer not to say for their gender. It's still unknown when the compulsory logins will roll out on the platform. Aaron, I've got to say... I do not understand why a taxpayer-funded entity like the ABC is demanding logins from me. Now, I will say this, I have signed up because there are advantages to doing it. You, They remember the shows you like, where you were up to, but I don't feel that I should be forced to sign up to use any ABC service. Well, that's a good point. I I just think, what, what's the big deal? You have to have a login for, like, everything, even for the McDonald's app. You know, your bank, 7 plus, 9 Private now. company. Yeah, it's just, I don't know what the big deal is. You have to get your email address and password for literally everything. ABC everything should on the be internet. free to everyone. It is paid for by the taxpayer. It is free to everyone. For the taxpayer. It is free to everyone. Without conditions, Mulk. There you is should no not have to give away your data to receive the service. And the ABC have very clearly said they're not selling it. I understand that, but you're so still giving them your data. Sure. Why do you think that is, Rob? Why do you think that is? I think I think everybody's about data gathering. Put your the producer's more... hat on. Why do you think they want to know who is watching their content? Well, I just said why how it helps the user from the point of view of remembering which shows you're watching, what shows you're watching. It will help them build a profile on what demos are watching what. There's many advantages for the ABC. There's advantages for the user. But a service like the ABC should not be... The access to a service like the ABC should not be predicated on having to sign up for it. Why not? Uh, sorry, I'll I'll repeat myself then. Please, uh, because <laughs> because a taxpayer should not have to pay. And I know you're saying it's free, but you are paying because you're handing over your data to a government agency that should be providing a free service. Mate, well, you better give up on Medicare. You better give up on Centrelink. You better give up on a whole bunch of places because they have far more data on you than the ABC different. are asking for. Rubbish, it's different. It's different. Rubbish, it's We're talking, different. Of course it's different. Medicare pays you, pays you money. It gives you discounts on medical services. As uh, The ABC is giving you entertainment and news. Now, news is very specific. Oh, my God, there's a bushfire. I can't get TV reception. I'll log on to the ABC iView. Oh, hang on. I've got to sign up for the service before I can see what's happening with the bushfires. No. Mate, there are myriad ways you can access their emergency service content around this paywalled, whatever you call it. Why does the ABC have to enforce the idea of loggings? Why? What is their reasoning for it? Well, I don't work for the ABC. I can't speak directly for them. I can speak with 20 years of IT experience in it and say that all of the things that you said about why it's beneficial to the user, yep. that's why you have a login. All as of I the said, reasons, I'm signed up. All of the reasons that we started to talk about as a producer, why you would want to get that data, who's mm-hmm. watching what, how often is it being watched, what's the age group or the, the target demo, even down to gender. 
um, helps us know what kind of content is uh, appealing to people so that we can then use that in a targeted sense when we call for new programming or search for creating new content. All of that stuff pays back to the Australian audience by simply us saying, my name's Mog, I'm a man, I'm this old, and I, I live in this state. They get that through ratings. They are ways of getting it, and through the people who voluntarily sign up. To the ratings race now, where seven and nine continue to battle it out for that number one spot for the night. The Winter Olympics is taking it out for seven most nights. However, a massive 961,000 for the Married at Sight commitment ceremony on Sunday saw nine take the lead. MAPS also continues to build to nearly 2 million for most episodes on catch-up. 10 are struggling for third place, with the ABC ahead almost every night, thanks to 7.30, Mustard Dogs and Vera. On Thursday, Q&A returned to a measly 250,000, but with Lee Sales' big announcement on 7.30 reaching 453,000, the ABC still beat out the project and repeats of Bondi Rescue and Territory Cops on 10. When will the ABC realise they need to move Q&A back to Mondays? Australian Survivor is still not delivering high numbers for 10, remaining around that half a million mark, but lifting to the late 800,000s in BVOD. More often than not, 10 are now in fourth place. Is that a concern for them? Oh, it would have to be. It's not sustainable. Even with, you know, the, the seven-day catch-up, you know, BVOD and Voz figures rolling in, where it's getting a reasonable bump, 35 38%, you know, is good. But when you're coming off a low bar, 38% is not heaps. As opposed to <laughs> Merit at First Sight, holy crap, 50-odd percent. 51, 49 regularly every night, it's BVOD catch-up. Like the seven-day catch-up yeah. figures lift nationally for that show it's gotten to the point where you can drive the olympics between survivor and um merit at first sight like if you added survivor and the olympics together it doesn't catch merit at first sight like that's Jeez, that's insane a very numbers. good way of putting it that's insane numbers um wow the, the tough thing for seven which is also their benefit around the winter olympics is that australians aren't as welded on to the winter olympics so dedicating the night as they have been to to showing it means endless repeats of stuff that you missed earlier in the day. I, I made a joke the other week that if you miss something on the Winter Olympics, just turn over to seven every five minutes and you'll see it. Because um, <laughs> that's how frequently they're... They've dedicated the hour at 7.30 to highlights from what's happened in the last day. Um, but we because we don't have heaps of Aussies in, in all of the events. We have some and, and we're not used to whatever men's alpine slalom biathloning, you know curling is who, who i don't know um that that's that's a real challenge for seven so the win for them is that because their seven 6 p.m news product is a real condensed distilled catch-up of the olympics it's rating gangbusters like it's monstering winning almost every night um like number one number two for the splits and it's because it's all the olympics content all the olympics content you don't have to watch the rest of the program just watch the news yeah. Um, Phil, did did 10 make a mistake putting Survivor in this position up against Maths? Have they taken what was a strong brand when it's got some clear air, rolling the dice, putting it up against Maths and Winter Olympics? Was that a strategical error? Look, I think you'd have to say it was. You know, I'm sure they would talk about damage mitigation and 
bricks and building walls and all those things that programmers talk about, <laughs> um, which which still does my head in. Hmm. Uh, you, you had two massive, massive potentially ratings powerhouses to put it up against. Why Why would you? It's a bit like giving it no hope whatsoever. Uh, mm. You know, as I said before, you know, Survivor has a very dedicated audience, but, you know, there's obviously opportunities to bring new viewers to it. And I don't know, if you've got to flick over two top-rating shows to get to it, I don't think that many people are going to do that. Yeah, and Aaron, it's interesting that the catch-up numbers for Survivor are not through the roof like Married at First Sight because we had a discussion uh, either last week or the week before that maybe Survivor would pick up big time on BVOD because people were watching Married at First Sight live, but it's not getting a huge lift. Yeah, it's not as yeah not as high as expected at all. Probably due to to maths and and the Olympics. If Seven have had something else on, you know, like they did last year, like Holy Moly or something, maybe people would choose Survivor. I don't know, but yeah. um, that is that is concerning. I think. Look, there's no doubt Nine will be pleased with maths. It's, it's huge, and I didn't think the BVOD numbers would be that high because they're because they're um. The linear viewing is so high, so it didn't actually need a big jump. But to have another fifty percent jump on an already high figure is huge. I mean, they're hitting just Amazing. about two million, and the flow-on effect actually has been really good for Labria, uh, the hundred with Andy Lee, and to some extent under investigation. But that's had a, had a bit of a format change, which is a bit of an issue. I will completely disagree though with with Malk about the the Winter Olympics. Look. Nine are only behind by about 150,000 with the news, but then they make up for that with a current affair um, beating home and away. The reason that Seven are winning the night is because of their massive, massive late-night shares. So by the time we get to 10.30, Channel 9 are on about 180,000 viewers for for whatever is on late at night, and Channel 7 is still going with half a million viewers at near midnight. So that's where Seven are getting their huge figures, and they'll be absolutely pleased uh, with the Winter Olympics because, let's face it, it's not the Summer Olympics. Uh, People don't have huge interest in it, yet they have won as a network every single night that the Olympics has been on, bar one night, which was Sunday night, which, which they lost by a little. And if we look at last year... Of course, seven were behind with, you know, I said holding moly and, and, and all that sort of stuff. This year, week one versus week one last year, seven is up 15.1 share points, nine's down 11.6, and 10 is down 3.5. So this is what seven wanted, a much better start to um, the year. They'll win this week, and I think they'll do better with Dancing with the Stars um, and SAS, although I think nine will start winning a few weeks at that point. Yeah, it's very interesting. I've got to tell you, and I'm going to bang the drum because um, I've got to say, you talk about that audience there at late night and how that's propelling Seven to a win. If only someone had the idea of doing stripped programming Monday to Thursday, some kind of panel variety show. Nobody listens to Don't know what you're talking about, Rob, but in other news, (laughs) it was interesting to note that today... Uh, well, in today's numbers for yesterday being Tuesday, time of record, um, ABC Breakfast beat today. Oh, first time this year. I didn't pick up on that one. First no. time this year, but it, it's it's happening again. In fact, in the last week or so, the today numbers for that 7 to 9 o'clock um, slot, which is where they measure how they, they call the shows, it, it's been sliding significantly. Today it slipped to 199. First time under 200, I think, for the year. 
Five City Metro, of course. Now, that's interesting because they've certainly got a rhythm, although mm. I've got to say they need Sherry Lee on weather. Hmm. Like, seriously. Like, seriously. She was a breath of fresh air. Bring her back, Jack. People are going to think this was a repeat of last week's episode. <laughs> what's, the third, what's the third gong Banging that we the need? drum again. What's Banging the, third the drum. drum that we need to get Late night, to bang on Sherry about? Lee Biggs. Do we need to start talking about Studio 10? I think 10? what you're looking for, Mulk, is, is that a, when I was at Studio 10... Yeah, there you go, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we just need... Rob mentions all three, you were halfway through the podcast. Stop. Bingo! <laughs> right. All right, well, thank God I've got a wine. I just need to bring up Rick and Sue, and then we've um, we've, we've done everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TV Black Box Bingo. Uh, that's a new game, or a drinking game. Hey, um, so look. I said a few things last week, as I tend to do, and I've been pulled up, and it first happened <laughs> oh, by a guy I work with named Scott Emerson, who he's the drive time presenter at 4BC in Brisbane. Very good bloke. He chats to me about this podcast all the time. He always likes to debrief on Thanks what we Thanks for listening, Emo. Great to have you on board. He, yes, indeed. This is what he took issue with, something I said last <laughs> week during the Binge Box segment. <laughs> And other than that, it's just the usual stuff that I always watch. Although I am introducing my kids to the It crowd. <laughs> now, Scott and some others took oh, issue with my pronunciation. I was because... screaming at my iPhone. <laughs> screaming. <laughs> Rob McKnight, you disgust me. Now, here's the thing. I always used to call it the IT crowd, but I saw a behind-the-scenes clip with the producer, where he pronounced it as thus. Hi, my name's Ken Corder. I'm a filmmaker. In autumn 2005, I was approached to make a behind-the-scenes documentary for a new Channel 4 sitcom. That sitcom was called uh, Your Ginger. It was never commissioned in the end. But shortly after that fell through, I got the opportunity to witness the birth of a comedy classic, The It Crowd. So I've, I've, I've seen this, and it goes on, and the producer in the behind-the-scenes clip calls it the It Crowd, and I went, ah, oh, I always thought it was IT Crowd. So ever since then, I've been calling it the It Crowd. Well, it turns out, thanks to Abby, who has done some research for me this week, because, God damn it, I was determined to prove everybody wrong. Not you, Rob. That was a parody behind-the-scenes special, no. and the filmmaker, Ken Corder, <laughs> no. is actually comedian Adam You couldn't Bison. tell from the first show that he said he was commissioned no, to film I a behind-the-scenes thing on. I know that was a comedy <laughs> bit, but in the behind-the-scenes clip, the producer called it the it crowd. So anyway, Abby has gone, along with Scott Emerson, who sent me a clip, Abby has found some other clips with the series producer and two of the main actors, and let's have a listen to how they say it. I'm uh, Asher Tallis, series producer of IT Crowd. And I'm Jamie Glazebrook, the producer. And what we've got here, Jamie, is a, a little film about a day in the life of the night of the IT Crowd. Hi, my name is Chris O'Dowd, and I'm going to answer some questions, uh, some fan theory on my old show called The IT Crowd. I was in this show called The IT Crowd. <laughs> I mean, Chris O'Dowd, Richard Aod, what have they ever done? What have they got on to? Nothing. <laughs> do, do, do you know what? It made sense to me because there are no dots between the I and T in the logo. It just says 
It's ground. What, what so, job do the central uh, characters of the show hold, Rob? I, Mulk, I know that. That's why I used to call it the IT crowd. But wouldn't it have been a clever play that they called it the it crowd because they're not the it crowd? That would have been the irony. That's why I thought, oh, this works on so many levels. You know, like, they're the losers of the company organisation. <laughs> yes, they work in IT, <laughs> but the playoff is that this. they're the... I overthought this big time. Oh. And last week, when I did my binge box, I thought I was being so oh. clever by saying it crap. Hey, Rob, just to help you a little bit, I did some research. I mean, it is the IT crowd, but... There, there's some research and someone on the producer or someone on the show said the title is a play on the in crowd, like because they're nerds, that's like they're, they're not saying. the in crowd, so it's supposed to be the cool crowd and that's why it's the the, the it crowd. And Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, so what you're saying is McKnight was right. No, Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Let's move on. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's jaws just dropped and they're all shaking their head like, he's really not claiming that, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I re- really wasn't saying that you are right. but it... Still to come on this edition of TV Black Box, a seven, a seven executive becomes the CEO of a production company, a TV presenter gives up his desk job, a controversial appointment for the ABC's Mardi Gras coverage and we'll reveal what we've been watching over the past week. From the IT crowd to the it crowd, when we go into the TV binge box. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with me, Malk. Thanks, Malk. Former Seven Studios Group Chief Executive Therese Hegarty has been appointed CEO of Helium, a new creator and producer of scripted and factual content and possibly gas. Nine has appointed their new sales leads across three pillars, with Richard Hunwick, the Director of Sales for Total Television, Ashley Earnshaw, Total Radio, and Joe Clasby, Total Publishing. Sports presenter and Lord Mayor of Perth, Basil Zembalis, will be scaling back his Seven News Perth commitments to focus more on hosting roles and his actual job as Lord Mayor though he will not be leaving the bulletin altogether. The ABC has announced its hosting team for the 44th Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras with Hamish McDonald, Mon Schaefer and Stephen Oliver. Courtney Act and Casey Donovan will be performing and Jeremy Fernandez will be on the ground. Take that how you want to take it. And that's this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Back to you, Mulk. Thanks, Mulk. Here you go, Rob. It does my head in. You know, they say at the ABC, you've got a job for life. And Hamish McDonald has proven that because even when you leave the ABC, you've got a job for life. How the hell and why the hell does the ABC employ people who don't work at the network to do these specials? There must be enough people who could host the Mardi Gras. Why are you getting the Hamish McDonalds of the world who work at a different network and who left the ABC? Good talent. 
does my head in. I think they, anyway. I think they're getting popular gay people. I think that was the point. Hamish McDonald is the most popular gay person. Well, is he the only pre- one in Australia? Well, pre- no, there's none on the ABC. Presenters. Well, what 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 huge big presenter on the ABC is gay that we know of that could anchor a whole a whole broadcast? Mon Schaefer. Oh, I knew I was going to get. <laughs> I knew I was going to get a couple of names. Mug's got a list. <laughs> Take it back. Tom Ballard. You know, like, come on. Oh, hang on. All Tom right. doesn't work for the ABC. That would break your rule, Rob. No, it wouldn't break my rule. I've got nothing against getting contractors. Julia Zamiro is a contractor to the ABC. She doesn't work full-time there. But she also doesn't work full-time at another network. Hamish McDonald works for Channel 10. He is contracted to the project. He left the ABC. Doesn't that make him contracted to Roving, not 10? Uh, I'm going to try this one. The Mardi Gras is about uniting people. All networks, everyone together, united for the Mardi Gras. I'm going to use I'll that piss one. off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go into the binge box. And, Phil, what have you been watching this week? Uh, it's uh, all, all been about inventing Anna for me, which is um, oh. the story of the Soho grifter Anna Sorokin, who also was known as Anna Delvey, uh, who basically just made up a story about being an heiress and conned the richest, most famous, most socially connected people in New York. What's that on? It's on Netflix. Um, Julia Garner plays the lead role. She's from, she's that um, great Ruth Langmore in Ozarks. Ozark, I should say. Um, And it's produced by Shonda Rhimes. So it's a... it's it's look. I actually tuned into it thinking I probably wouldn't like it. It's based on a real life story. It'll be a little bit shit, and I couldn't stop watching it. It's just really really fascinating. And um, Julia is a pretty amazing actress, so she hooks you in right from the start. I devoured it on preview. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Mind you, I, I am sort of keen on you know the the grifter gets their come up and saw the you know the crash of the tech stock thing. Blah blah blah. Um, it's it's it this has Shondaland all over it. The the way they present the story, the um the character development, all of that sort of stuff. The most controversial part of it is the fact that Netflix signed a deal with Anna to tell her story when she got arrested. So they effectively paid for her defense. Um, well they actually pay she claims that well they paid her three hundred and twenty thousand dollars US and yeah. She claims she used all that money to repay the bankers she ripped off buying, you know, Fendi, Chanel, all those labels that girls seem to like. Uh, and she's actually in the custody of ICE at the moment waiting to be deported because yeah. she ran out of money. Her visa ran out. So, Just um, amazing. It's an amazing story. I've been watching a little bit of Dope Sick on Disney as well, which yes, is great choice. the uh, Michael Keaton vehicle that examines the opioid crisis in America, which all sounds oh, really yeah. heavy. And it is, but it's sort of quite fascinating as well. Okay, very cool. Yeah, that I've been meaning to watch that one. Mulk, what have you been watching? The performance of Michael Keaton's career in Dope Sick. It is incredible. Absolutely amazing. You mean amazing. It, the performance of his career wasn't Beetlejuice? Or Batman? Oh, mate, do we, do <laughs> we want to go? Well, there's a million, right? Um, we, we could line them all up. It is amazing. Dope Sick is an incredible tale. 
incredibly well told and Keaton acts out of his pants in it. It's so great. Um, heaps and heaps of stuff. The stuff that has me entertained or recently finished, The Book of Boba Fett, I thought, uh, finished up delightfully. It was a, a couple yeah. of hard episodes in the series, but really good. I'm now fanging to see can where you, the next bit's going. Can you talk to me about that, Mog? Because sure. uh, I, I only just caught up with it in the last week. So yep. I had watched episode one, then went off, forgot about it, came back and and watched and binged the rest of the season and didn't get all the hate for it. I really enjoyed the whole season. Some people have been upset that there were whole episodes that focused on the Mandalorian and didn't even mention him or barely mentioned him. And I think that's fair. Um, yeah, that's I, fair. I think what it revealed in the storytelling, if we look at it and take a bit of a, a meta view, a, a larger view on it, the story of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian are uh, inter, interlinked, intertwined. So while they called this the Book of Boba Fett as a separate series, very easily we could have called it the third season of The Mandalorian. Well, I was about to say, you can't... If, 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 you, if for some reason you're a fan of The Mandalorian but you didn't watch the Book of Boba Fett, you're going to come to the next series of oh, The Mandalorian and go, hang out. on. Completely yeah. missed out. Why is he doing that? What's happening here? What's this all about? Mm. Um, it, it, it's incredible storytelling and I'm loving Robert Rodriguez who who was one of the directors that they brought in for the very first series of The Mandalorian directed most of this series and did such a great job yeah such a great job mate Mm. the fact that Boba Fett punched his way out of the Sarlacc that's amazing right brilliant but that's Mandalorian anyway um I've been loving that uh somebody somewhere on Fox Showcase the story of a Kansas girl who returns home, by girl I mean middle-aged woman, who returns home as sort of her life has fallen apart, her sister died, and, and she's back in you know middle America, not really knowing who she is or where she fits, and comes just is enveloped in a story of acceptance and love while still seeing other things going around her. It's pretty incredible. Fun, funny, gut-wrenchingly heartbreaking, so good. Somebody somewhere that's on Fox, Fox Showcase. Uh, or Fox Catch-Up, or Binge even, I think it's there. Uh, I have previewed the entire upcoming season of Upload, which is coming to Prime Video, season two. And, I mean, it was a quirky show for season one. This notion that when you die, your consciousness can be uploaded into, like, a Sims-style environment, and you can still actually engage with your loved ones. Um, talk to them and those uh, sorts It's of a things. great concept, yeah, and, yeah. and I've watched half of the next series. I haven't finished it yet. They take it to some really dark places mm. in, in season two, and I really like the way they did it. Of course there are going to be people that are arguing and say that it's, it's an elitist experience and you know everyone should be able to access it and all of those sorts of things. Uh, and there are a couple of really neat twists that happen in the last two or three episodes that are like, oh, damn. That mm. means season three is going to be... A cr- absolute cracker. I cannot wait to see that. Euphoria has been great. That's on Binge and Fox Showcase. The final episode is coming. And the final episode of what I think has been the series of the year, Peacemaker. That's this week on uh, on Fox 8, I think it is. And it has just been really funny and really entertaining. And uh, James Gunn, who directed The Suicide Squad, which the Peacemaker character spins out of into this series has smashed it out of the park. The the mm. opening credit scene is worth watch it's on YouTube everywhere is worth watching alone just to okay. see um the cast do this weird dance thing 
with a CGI eagle in it. It's so funny. It's so great. That's Peacemaker on Binge and Fox 8. Awesome stuff. i got to say, uh, one of the best things I watched this week was Frozen the Musical. I went to the premiere in Brisbane and what a show. Just fabulous. Really well done, although the lead actress was miscast. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> and what channel's that on, Rob? <laughs> Channel go to QPAC. Um, I, <laughs> I've also um, been watching TikTok Boom. I'm still in the middle of watching that movie. Uh, is that not what it's called, Abby? Tick, Abby's tick, laughing boom. at me. Sorry? Tick, tick, boom. Right, there you go. I said TikTok boom. You I'm totally so did. <laughs> but what a great movie. I've not finished it yet because you know how I You're have watching to. It in five I, I never get to watch a whole movie, so I'm watching it in bits. And I'm just loving that, loving that. As I mentioned, I've watched The Mandalorian. And uh, my kids are still watching the It Crowd and loving it. And, <laughs> <laughs> so disappointing. Um, and I, I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, it's interesting what you say about the Today Show because I've actually been watching that this week and I've been enjoying it. Although I think Tim would be much better on the news desk and Sherry Lee doing weather. Do you manage Sherry Lee? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I wouldn't mind getting, I, I will happily manage her and take a cut of her potential earnings. I think she's a superstar. How do you segue from that? Well, it feels like each week when we're doing these shows that I'm the only one watching Free to Wear. Oh my! Oh, <laughs> I just said I watched the Today oh, Show. Oh yeah, okay, one morning show. But yeah, um, <laughs> at least people get variety on this podcast. So the four shows I'm going to mention are all on the Free to Wear. So maybe I'm boring, or I don't know. But uh, so I watch SAS Australia episode one and two, which starts next week. Um, it's just as good as previous seasons. Sorry, I'd like to pick you up. You didn't watch that on Free to Wear. That hasn't gone anywhere. You watch that on via stream. Thank you very yeah, much. It's a, free a preview to program. Point of I'm watching it's a free watching program, but you watched it on via streaming. Yeah, and I'm going to watch it again when it comes Humble on next Pie week. is coming your no, way, mate. I'll watch it live as well. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's it's just as good as previous seasons. Um, really life changing for some of the celebrities. Wayne Carey opens up about his affair that he had. Um, you know, back in the day, back in the day with his um, teammate's wife. Really great story with Jeff Hugel. I did an interview with Melissa Kautz, um, so that will be published on Sunday. You'll uh, be able to listen to that podcast then. Former Real Housewife of Sydney. Oh, yes, of course. And East Street, everything else she's been on. Um, I will say nothing else but say to watch episode two on Tuesday and observe Orpheus Pledger. All I can say is WTF. I might leave that one till next week and I'll ask our producer, Abby, what I can say. But you'll know what I mean when you when you see it. It's WTF. That's all I'll yeah, say. Yeah, he's got a very interesting story to tell. Uh, I haven't seen the SAS episodes. I haven't watched them yet. But I do know of Orpheus and I do know what's been going on with him. So I think he was a very interesting hire and I think he'll make for some very interesting TV and uh, judging by what you're saying, he certainly does. Or is Aaron inferring that he's hot? No, it's he is hot. The shirt does co- come off. He's just as good as... There's a as whole other story. Yeah, that's a whole other story. But no, no, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Uh, cool. Something else. Uh, I watched Dancing with the Stars. Um, even more sniping between Sonia Kruger and Todd McKenney than ever before, but it's all in fun. They're, they're good <laughs> friends. It just feels like when you watch that show, even without the dancing, it just feels like you're in a safer, warmer, nicer world from years ago. I mean, obviously it is an all-stars version, but it's just that variety show that we haven't seen for a long time. Um... 
I've been watching The 100 with Andy Lee on 9, really good. Uh, Tom Gleeson uh, was on last night, which was really good. So, And the other series I've been watching on 9, I'm just, I don't know why I watch this, but I'm just fascinated by Space Invaders. I know it's each to their own and we respect everyone, but I just cannot fathom how some people can live like that. It's like, <laughs> it is, it's not just junk. It is like, it's a complete way of living. Where Abby, how do people live like that? I don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Sorry, our producer's on the line. <laughs> I had to throw that in. You've got to watch Dr. Pimple Pop, Aaron. Oh, I have yeah. seen that actually. That's uh, that's different. But can I just say, good on your Channel Nine though for making new content for Saturday nights. I mean, Space Invaders is is an Australian show. Um, new episodes air on Saturday nights, and I don't think anyone's making content for Saturday nights. So good on your Nine. Good stuff. Yeah, good on them. And I, uh, an update. Sorry, last week I mentioned mustard dogs and. <laughs> I tell you what, the power of TV black box this podcast, because since then they've had their streaming numbers have been through the roof. The ABC have released, put out a press release talking about the amazing number of streams it's had, and I put that all down to the fact that we talked about it in the TV black box podcast. Oh, and I watched it this week, and it's worthy of such success. It's amazing, great little show. I think um, from a production point of view, though, Lisa Miller has. She's putting the voiceover on too much. She just needs to be herself. Elisa Miller is a great presenter. She's got a great way of talking, but she's trying to do a voiceover in the voiceovers, and she needs a bit of producing there and for Series 2, which I'm sure there will be. And, and let me and guess, you want Sherry perfect. Lee Biggs to uh, do the voiceover ah. season. <laughs> 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 then it will be going through the roof. <laughs> no, I, I, I love Lisa doing it, please, and, and I love Lisa Miller, so please don't take that the wrong way. I just don't think the direction when she was recording, doing that, those recording sessions was on the money. I think it was a bit off. Uh, all right, that brings us to the end of this edition of TV Black Box. A big thanks to Abby Nicholson, who produced, Yay. wrote and edited this episode. Thank you, Malt. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Philip. We'll see you all again next week, along with... The long-awaited return of Robbo. He will be back next week and hopefully Sarah will be too. Our team's expanding. Hope you can join us. See you next time. Bye, Sherry Lee Biggs. <laughs> <laughs>